Hello, everyone. Welcome to Rules of the Game podcast. My name is Butch Porter. I'm your host. And with me today is the not only famous, but infamous, the one and only, the beautiful and talented Jessica Hausberger. How are you? Hey, I'm good, Butch. Happy Thursday. Happy Thursday to you. I like Thursdays. Thursdays are cool. It's like tomorrow's the last day of the week. And I can really try to, I can just kind of fake my way through tomorrow and everything will be fun. That's uh, kind no of one notice. Yep. no one Yeah, that's right. No one will notice. I can, I can fake my way through one day, right, of a week. So Thursdays are kind of my mm-hmm. Fridays. I'm like, Friday, it can't be that hard to make it through one day. Yeah. So no, we, uh, I, at my uh, program up in, up in Luckett's, uh, this little village north of Leesburg, for those who are not local to Loudoun County, um, we do PE and archery, and I don't even have to teach it. So it's a it's a lazy day for me. So it's a lot of fun. So what's going on in the Jessica Hausberger world that is, um, you know, relevant to the uh, listening public? Anything extraordinary, exciting, invigorating, <laughs> educational? Ooh, oh, I mean, definitely not educational. I try to avoid that at all costs. <laughs> mm. I know how you feel. <laughs> I got off of a cruise ship a couple of days ago. My oldest daughter is works as a lead vocalist on a cruise ship in the Caribbean. Mm. And the only way I could see her was to go on a cruise and right. spend that time with her. So we, we uh, you know, cruised around the Caribbean and did some excursions together and dined together. And I saw all of her musical performances and it was really wonderful. Cool. That's exciting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's that's really neat. So um, the topic for today, what we want to we want to talk about. So it's been a couple months, right? We didn't do one last month. So uh, and since we have talked, the Queen of England has passed away. So I wanted to do an hour on on the Queen of England. And when I told you that. You were so excited because you've been reading and studying about the Queen of England for years and years now, and it's your absolute favorite topic, right? <laughs> you know, I was driving down the highway yesterday, and I saw this big sticker. It was a really nice car. It was one of those new nice uh, Broncos, like fully oh, loaded okay. and beautiful. And then there was this big sticker on the passenger side, like back window, and it was of Queen Elizabeth. Oh yeah, and I thought to myself, how odd. Um, and I, and I've always been a little bit kind of like it's really odd when people get into like the weddings, like Kate's Kate's wedding, and back in the day with Princess Diana and whatnot. I've always been a little bit like scratching my head and a little bit confused about it. Very much on the outside circle of that. I don't okay. I don't follow the celebrity stuff, and to me, it feels like a little bit like celebrity ish, but. It, I'm it is prepared to be set yeah. straight today if that's the 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 case. Well, let's say that it is. Let's say it is celebrity stuff. What does that what does that mean? Well, just popular culture more so than anything that really impacts my life politically or philosophically. So Okay, so you view celebrity as definitively pop culture and vice versa. I mean, potentially, I guess. That's one way to explore it. Um, yeah. Uh, irrelevant, I guess, would be another word. Like, I just don't. Wow. We I don't, are I've never been a groupie. I- <laughs> okay, so let me ask you, let me ask you something philosophically. Let me just, let me give you a what if, right? What okay. if there was something unique about the queen of England dying that wasn't just pop culture or celebrity. What would that thing be? What would it be? Well, she has reigned over England for what? 70 years. Yeah. She crossed the 70 mark. Uh, I don't think she hit 71. I think it was, yeah. 70 years plus a few months. Yeah. And who stepped into her place? The longest reigning and the oldest uh, crowned, uh, you know, ascended uh, 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 Prince of Wales in, in British history, uh, Prince Charles. So okay. now he's King Charles. I don't know okay. if he's been, I don't know if they've done the, uh, what do you call it? The, um, the, uh, the crowning yet. There's a term for it. My brain's slipping, but yeah, I don't think, I don't think he's had his coronation. I don't think he's had the, his coronation yet. 
Uh, but he is the, you know, the king of England. So I have to admit that I know very little, Butch, about to what extent the current, like the monarch situation in England in modern times is more like, um, it, to what extent it really impacts the politics of, of the country and the government, and to what extent it's more of just kind of like, um, you know, a symbolic position. Can you speak to that at oh, all? Okay. <laughs> oh my goodness. I'm, I, I'm a lay person. I'm sorry. Can you, who can knows you nothing speak about to British monarchy? Like, you're like, you're like giving me these softball, like layup type things. It's really funny. It's like you're interviewing That's what me, I do. Is, That's what I we've do. We've never, we've never done that. We've never had you interview me in this way. Cause apparently for those in the listening public who care, Jessica don't give a flying flip apparently about the Queen of England, which is really cool, which will be different. So my take, and I mean, but I'm I not care an expert as a person. Like I care. No, that she because died. she was a person. Right, right, right. Well, yeah, but you would care if Sean Connery died, right? I mean, you know, what's what's the difference? Like Sean Connery was an icon of American entertainment for you know many many years, um, and you know, but. And he died and it was important. Like it's important when somebody well-known dies. So even if it's just celebrity, um, I would not say that it doesn't affect us. Um, I don't, I don't, I don't think that's true. Uh, when Sean Connery died uh, to me, it was a moving moment, right? I, I, I do, I, be I do believe it's relevant when somebody important in art dies. I do. Um, but the, but if somebody not important in art dies and they just happen to be famous, I think that's slightly less important. Right. So, I mean, that's true. Um, so let's go with the most uh, like Robin Williams. Robin Williams died uh, several years ago. And I think that was important. It, a lot of it was because of how he died. He killed himself. Rather mm -hmm. violently and rather, um, rather uh, um, sadly, like he literally mm -hmm. recorded a video. Somebody recorded him saying that. Uh, I promise, uh, ladies and gentlemen, we'll get back to the Queen of England uh, very shortly. This is a aside. <laughs> but when Robin Williams died, I was I was actually really sad because he actually recorded something. Like somebody recorded him, uh, and he he it was very obvious he was about to go kill himself. It was very, it was very sad. And he was a mm. extremely talented person, like extraordinarily talented. Um, so when people like that die, just because they don't affect me politically, doesn't mean it's not important. The fact that they're famous means they have had an influence. And when they leave, uh, they're no longer affecting that influence. And so that's relevant. And if it's somebody that I believe is extremely talented, um, then it's it's of more note. So let's take the most extreme example. Who has died in the last year that has, I mean, let's take the Queen of England out of it for a second. That was just a famous person that, that affected you the most or even the last yeah, five Yeah, I was thinking about this as you were talking and yeah, I yeah. cannot remember, but in the last month, a man died who was on TV who I felt like I had kind of grown up watching and I can't remember who it is now, but I remember feeling oh, like a sense of sadness. It was like within the last month or two, perhaps. Yeah. It was around the same time of the queen of England. Who was it though? We could always pause the recording and go find out who the heck that was, but we're not, we're just going to roll with it. Um, so, so basically um, even though this person you felt was impactful. We can't remember who it is. So we're going <laughs> to, so gonna apparently it wasn't too, it impactful. wasn't that impactful. Well, I mean, go further though, go the last five years. Like, I mean, when's the last time you remember a famous person dying where you said, Oh, Oh man. Wow. That's, that's terrible. Like, I that, know, right? you know, for some reason, maybe Patrick Swayze, maybe Chris Cornell. Patrick Swayze. Prince yeah, Chris maybe? Cornell. Chris Cornell was a big one. Yeah, Chris Cornell was a big one for anybody who's into music at all. That was a big one. So, all right. So, just think of you know, think of how you felt when when somebody famous died, even if it's an artist or a celebrity or somebody like an American that you just knew was like you know who had an impact, who you watched 
more than once or listened to more than once and knew about, that has an impact. It affects us, right? And, and it should. So the question is, you know, uh, for those listening, you know, take the most impactful person, the person, person most directly impactful to your life. I can't say that Queen Elizabeth as a figure in my head is, you know, is more impactful than even Robin Williams died or Sidney Poitier, who was, you know, Sidney Poitier was up there in years. So was Queen Elizabeth. So there wasn't anything surprising about um, Queen Elizabeth dying. She was 96 or 94 or something. And, and Sidney Poitier, I think was, was in his nineties. And so he, you know, and I'd say the person who had the most impact me directly uh, the, between the two, and they died around the same time, was probably Sidney Poitier, right? Because, you know, who he was as an artist was significant politically, of course, because he, he was an African-American who rarely played stereotypical African-American parts, and he kind of refused to, and he was extremely talented. Um, but that has significance has significance to me i grew up in a racially uh you know uh strident uh, uh part of the country so but given all that why is it more important that the queen elizabeth died you mentioned how long she reigned that's true but what does that matter like why does it matter if she reigned over over you know the uk for uh, in the Commonwealth for 70 years. Why does that matter? Why does it matter to us? Does it matter to you at all? Does it, does it impact you in any way? Me personally, like mentally, no, it had, I feel almost bad saying it, but it just barely registered on my radar. Well, I will tell you this, that, um, It, number one is the fact that she, just the fact that she's a 70 year reigning monarch is all by itself amazing, right? I mean, like someone who can go through like 15 prime ministers is, is that that's a, that's enough to make someone important all by itself, right? Imagine, imagine if we had a separated executive and head of state right in the united states our president is our head of state he's in he's in charge of ceremonial sort of uh, representations of the country abroad okay yeah. um imagine if that was separated out imagine if we had somebody like that other countries have that separated out that aren't monarch monarchies uh the chancellor of germany for instance is sort of a I mean, he's elected by the legislative body um, and and he serves that or she uh, now serves that kind of function separate from chief executive of the government, if you will. Right. Right. So what is what is that? You know, what does that mean when somebody like that dies who's been in that position for 70 years? Yeah, I think the reason why a lot of people like you have had the feeling that it doesn't really matter is because they have the belief that the government of England is completely separate from from the crown. The crown is just a symbolic position. I think you indicated that a little earlier. Like a figurehead, right? Like a figurehead. Well, the president is a figurehead, but he has other responsibilities, right? So it would be like our president is like the 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 king and the uh, um, and the um, prime minister kind of wrapped into one. So, okay, symbolic. So what does that mean? Like, let's say she's only symbolic. I would probably push back. I would probably disagree. But let's just say that she's only a symbol, that the monarchy, the crown, if you will, is only a symbol. What is that? What is that mean? Well, I can't speak for the people of England, but um, I'm sure their perception, you know, is very much different than ours. But in that country, this maternal being who kind of created stability from one generation to the next and, um, you know, just kind of exercised maybe this like social cohesion with her presence that 
was long standing enough that, you know, people our age just never knew life without her existence. So to an extent, help my grandparents hardly, I mean, I mean, not my grandparents, my parents at least, uh, you know, would not remember, um, they wouldn't, they wouldn't well remember. I mean, my parents were born in the forties. So my, uh, my step, my stepmom, stepdad, they were born, they would never remember, uh, a monarch from the UK that wasn't the queen of England. Right. So, um, so that, yeah, you're right about the stability part. I think that's important. I think, um, I think what the queen of England represents, uh, with that particular queen, and we are talking about a particular person. There's two ways to parse it out. One is to, is to decide whether the monarchy is important. And, and then, and then also, and I'm not sure which order, is best to go in. Uh, but we'll start, we'll start with a lot. We'll start with the other. I think the reason why she's important is because of who she was and what she was able to do. And, you know, when, and you've probably seen this, if you've seen any movies or any TV renditions or, or, or of somebody becoming a prime minister. Uh, and there's been several movies about Queen, Queen Elizabeth. And so I've seen it played out several different ways. I watched the whole crown series so that helps. That's the main source we have of what that's supposed to look like. But from every account, you know, the, the good renditions of that are, aren't inaccurate. When the, when the prince, when the, when there is a new prime minister, by the way, the latest prime minister lasted 45 days, I want to say 40, 47 days or 45 days. My favorite joke, uh, that, uh, that I, I, I've seen on the uh, on the interwebs was from the Spectator, who had a really good piece, by the way, on uh, on King Charles. Uh, they they have a positive view of of what kind of uh, monarch he'll be, and I'll get to that. But there, so they had a list of suggestions for the new who should be the new prime minister. Um. And uh, the last choice was not the last in importance, but the last uh, on the list was a lettuce. Um, because <laughs> a lettuce would uh, polls better than all the other options and would keep in the fridge for more than 45 days. So um, that that's that's amazing. And you compare. I mean, that's the closest thing there is to a president in the UK is the prime minister. Their prime minister lasted 45 days. We like the interesting thing about that is what if we were able to fire our president after 45 days, right? We got to wait at least four years to get rid of a president. Uh, unless, I mean, other than the most dire of catastrophic circumstances, which hasn't happened since what Kennedy, you know, when he was killed, um, that anybody's lasted less than less than four years. Um so, well, I guess uh, uh, Ford, uh, Ford, but um, the, 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 the question of, of why she was so good at what she was, it's not simply stability. I think it was a matter of character. I mean, how much, okay, so <laughs> how much character does it take for your average American to keep their mouth shut? Right. I, I see what you're Okay. So are. think about, think about, think about any ex presidents, right? Think about the last five presidents and rank them on how well they were able to keep their mouth shut. <laughs> okay. So yeah. I think if I were to say, if I were to say like, which one has been the quietest and the most like, not gonna not gonna insert myself trump i would <laughs> that's that's great i think we have a winner uh, of the for most, the number five position <laughs> for the number five position of the last five i think number one would be george w bush i think he's been, really yeah he had he just has not inserted himself into things 
Not. I, I would mean, have almost, said maybe his father. Is his father in the last five? No, his father doesn't make the last five. Okay, so, so yeah, we've got Obama, father. Trump. Yeah, definitely George his H. father. But okay, so Clinton would be the would be five back, I think. So maybe. Okay, so we got Clinton, Obama. Maybe that's six actually. Trump, yeah. George H. W. or George W. Bush, and then who am I missing? Well, okay, so. Biden's the current so ex-presidents we have five in that's right no including George H W yeah I, I was putting H. George H so I definitely George H was pretty tight I was considering I was I was including the the current president that was my problem oh okay right? yeah yeah and he's not an ex-president you know so we won't know we don't know yet how great of an ex-president he was but I would rank ex-presidents by how well they keep their mouth shut that's the point so H W Bush is probably number one his son's number two. Clinton's number three, Obama's number four, and way back behind that would be Donald J. Trump. Now, I'm not saying that from a partisan standpoint. I don't, I don't think that either. Uh, um, I don't think either either Clinton or um, or Obama have been bad ex presidents. One of the one of the reasons why they're probably more vocal is because they're younger. Right? They were younger leaving office than 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 either of the Bushes, especially the elder Bush. Well, if you were going to look at a classically conservative approach to things, it would be more conservative to keep your mouth closed. And I think both of the Bushes, you know, kind of align with that. Um, You know, Trump was out on his own on that one. But, um, you know, he's an outlier within the progressive mindset to insert progress um speak up i think it's a little bit within that mentality and queen elizabeth was very conservative person not only politically but in her personality style as well yeah if you go back 10 though then carter's like a close second to uh to to uh trump because he just he constantly mouths off about he'll go he went to korea or whatever i mean he the, the man never was able to keep like uh, to keep his uh, opinions at bay as an ex-president. He's been a gr- great ex-president in other ways. He's very been very philanthropic. He's been very uh, engaged in helping people. Uh, Habitat for Humanity barely exists without Jimmy Carter, right? So um, he, he's, you know, he's really good in other ways. But I, as a, to your point, as a conservative, believe ex-presidents should keep their mouth shut. So think in that term, think in that way about what the role of a of a monarch is i mean an ex-president has absolutely no power but do they have influence absolutely barack obama opens his mouth he's got no official role in anything you know uh but he opens his mouth people are going to listen it matters what barack obama says what he tweets what he what he says so um it matters what first ladies say right it matters uh, what ex first ladies say to my point, but but think about a monarch, you know, in the UK, a constitutional hereditary monarchy in terms of how an ex president should act. An ex president should keep out of like they're not president anymore, they can't, you know, they can't be uh naysayers of the current administration. It's it's uncouth, it's unkosher. It's uh, it, it's not. It's considered in bad taste. I think it's fair to say it's considered in bad taste to insert yourselves it's into, especially international affairs. Um, so. Um. I think, the queen. Now, when it comes to international affairs, the queen has a larger role. Especially in terms of the uh, of the um, of the Commonwealth, right? So, so the she has a like an actual like a real role in the Commonwealth. She has more influence. She has more authority uh, when it comes to how the British Commonwealth operates. Which so which you know when they get together and they decide um, how certain things are going to be um, in the Commonwealth, uh, how their relationship is going to. Uh, and I'm not overly familiar with how the, w- what the Commonwealth does on a you know monthly or even annual basis, but they do. I mean, there's a lot of countries. I think there's 50 something countries that fall under the Commonwealth, and 
uh, all of them have as their head of state, including Canada. Last time I checked, I'm, I'm pretty sure is still part of the Commonwealth. Um, you know, their head of state is the Queen of England, or now the King of England. So um, that symbolism matters when that many countries are affected. And when the, the mother country of the English-speaking world, like the dominant language on the planet, by all accounts, is English. Um, one of the more stable currencies, one of the, I mean, they stayed out of the Euro, thank God, the most stable currency on the planet is probably the, still the British pound sterling. Eng so, so that brings up the third question. And that is uh, because we kind of scooted through why she was important and why the monarchy is important. The question is, is the UK important? Is the United Kingdom still an important country? And their head of state dying, is that affect us you betcha it does uk is on the is on the un security council for one that has an influence uh having a different head of state there is not irrelevant um but to me i i saw an article today i saw a headline i didn't get a chance to read it but i, I i'm it's it was either spectator or one of the other ones that writes a lot about british things and it said that that uh, the Queen of England was the was the Queen of the West, you know, the Queen of the Western civilization, if you will, the Western mm -hmm. world. Uh, I think that's fairly fair to say. Now, whether Charles carries that kind of mantle or not, um, as effectively, I'm not. I'm not sure, but um, I, I think I think if you're a conservative and you believe in the pre preservation of Western civilization, which I do, then part of that preservation is, has to be the British monarchy. Like literally it's not even, it's not even a question whether, whether that's important or not. Um, it is. And so in the way to test that is to ask what would happen if, like, what would happen if there was no British monarchy anymore? Right. I don't know. I mean, I don't know. What do you what do you think would happen just based on what what you know? What would happen in the UK without a monarchy? Well, it goes back to the original question that I asked, is I'm just not really a hundred percent sure about what kind of power that they exercise or to what extent the the figurehead or you know symbolic role that they play impacts their society and their culture my my overwhelming impression is that it's a fairly you know it's more, more organized as a republic at this point like we are i don't know if you would call that like a constitutional republic or but it seems like you know they have a, a legislative officials that represent them and they have the prime minister and their courts and so they have kind of the same system of government we have. And I'm just not hundred percent sure about the roles that the monarch plays. I feel like it's a lot of tradition and social cohesion. Um, <laughs> I, I like that. I think those things are valuable within culture. So just think, a bunch of tradition and social cohesion. Who needs that? I don't know. You know, that? Butch, I know like you, I have one of my brothers said to me the other day, he was basically off the cuff said, you know, that a monarch is much preferable to what we have here. And we didn't have time to get into it and to discuss. He's also I'm my sure brother who, you know, right. was went into the Orthodox. <clears throat> and he moved to Catholicism. Of course he's Orthodox. That's you guys, a, that but he be... moved to Catholicism, but um, yeah, so, well, you know, uh, you guys we'll might have some of the similar um, perceptions there and in, in perhaps have just taken the time to even reflect on it. I have another brother who's a flat earther, so maybe we'll bring him on one day. Um, you know, <laughs> no, I, I it, it wouldn't be it wouldn't be right. It would be a ton of fun, uh, but it, it wouldn't be right. Uh, and then my third my brother soul would recover. My third brother, he would be the re the real star guest. Okay, so, but as far as the monarch goes, um, I mean. I don't know, Butch. What are your thoughts on it? You know, give me something to work with here. <laughs> like, <are> you... <laughs> so okay. Look. So here's the thing. Um, when you say I'm becoming social... soft in my older age, it's like ah, okay, I can no take queen, it or leave it. The monarch. If there's no queen, there's no like the. 
here's what's important to understand. I'm a conservative. Okay. I'm a conservative in ev- like in most ways. Right. I mean, okay, I mean I'm, yeah. I'm not, I'm not a, um, you know, I never drank or smoked. Uh, I don't, I, you know, I'm not a partier. I'm done. I'm not overly expressive, you know, from a, from a, uh, you know, uh, um, I'm not a risk taker. Like I, I don't go, I don't, I don't go bungee jumping and jumping out of, uh, you know, jumping out of airplanes that are working properly. I mean, I'm just, I don't like, I'm not, I'm not, I'm a conservative in more ways than one. I'm temperamentally conservative. In the right. Way. Whereas right. I'm not, I'm, I'm, I know that's true. that's true. Temperamentally. Are you jumping out of perfectly well operating airplanes? You're not. I would. Yeah. You would. Right. I wouldn't. I mean, I, no, I would, I wouldn't bungee jump. I have no, I do not understand why anybody would want to do no. that. But, but I would, I would skydive if it, under the right circumstances. The chances of dying from skydiving are so, so low, but the chances of dying skiing are much higher. So, I mean, right. I'm actually pretty yeah. rational, Butch. I'm a very yes. conservative no, no, skier. No. I like no, it's cross just, country skiing, not downhill, because I like my hilarious. life and I like hilarious. my legs. But yeah, skydiving, that's that's not very dangerous when you look at the stats. So but, no, you know. I'm not looking at the stats. I just have no reason to do it. That's the point. So what I'm saying is, is that, is that I'm a conservative so much that I, I, I can tell you what my stance would be in different periods of time in different places. For instance, if I was in the United States in 1776, I wouldn't be a monarchist. I'd be, a, I'd be a you know, I'd be a fan of independence. I would, there's no reason for me to believe otherwise. Why? Those people were radicals, Butch. Are you sure you wouldn't have supported the monarch? They were radicals, but they had, they had lived generations across the sea with no representation in the parliament that that monarch is, is in charge of. So it, it, and not just that, there's, there's other things. We had court systems. We had we had a an understanding of how we operated as the colonies that did not require um, uh, the monarchy's continued um, uh, uh, meddling, right? And and the monarchy at the time was very different, right? It had more power. the The King of England had like was not as he was. I mean, there's still like. By then, Magna Carta had happened, Glorious Revolution had happened. We're two or three generations past the Glorious Revolution. So Locke, um, Hobbes, you know, all those guys had 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 laid out, you know, what our rights were as citizens, and all of us actually believed it. Right. And so, but if I had been in the United Kingdom, like if I'd been a British citizen in the UK. I would still have been a monarchist because like they what if you were in France what would you have been in 1785 definitely a monarchist (laughs) now now it's harder in France because in in France there were real major problems with the monarchy like it's not even it's not even a question the problem was is that the French uh libertinism if you will was different than the british kind if you haven't read uh you know uh um, victor hugo no 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 i'm talking about uh the british uh letter to the um oh what's his name i'm sorry i'm 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 growing uh, i'm my my brain isn't working very well today but the uh, Edmund Burke, I'm sorry, Edmund Burke, uh, uh, you know, he wrote thoughts on the French Revolution and, you know, he delineated what it, you know, what it meant, you know, why you should preserve your, you know, monarchy. And uh, it's it's something that everyone should read. Um, they did not have, a, a, you know. Thomas Jefferson and and uh, John Adams and uh, even even uh, Thomas Paine, Patrick Henry, those guys were radicals. They were radical radicals, right? And I lean, you know, to the center from them. 
but none of them were, you know, saying that they we should, you know, cut the head off all institutions and start from scratch with the state as the place where the common will of the people will be will be uh, expiated, and you know, and where 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 the will will be enforced. It's just not like that's not going to work out, right? It it it, it can't, right? So. The philosophy that animated the French Revolution was not a philosophy that was a proper replacement for the monarchy. And they, we saw the results. I mean, look at the Constitution of, of, um, of France. I mean, the difference is France, the difference between the UK and, and, uh, and France, between the United States and France, is that they still live there. Like, we, we cut ourselves off from the monarchy we didn't kill the monarchy i mean we were almost immediately on good negotiating terms with the monarchy we cut ourselves off from like almost mm. immediately like within a generation we were you know we had we had a court in saint james and uh, sooner than that actually i mean heck i mean john adams went to the, was in the court of saint james before he was president so before he was even even vice president, before we even had a working constitution, we had a relationship with our former monarch. We didn't cut his head off. Those are those are two different ball games. It's not even a it's not even a, it's not even a contest. But the point is, if we had been in the UK fighting against the monarchy, we probably would have had to cut his head off. I mean, in the 17th, that's what would have happened. So the French Revolution is different because they weren't separating themselves from the monarchy and being a republic. They were eliminating the monarchy and being a republic. Those are two different scenarios. So I would have been a monarchist because I didn't see an alternative that would, that made any sense at the time in France. So the point is, is that, let me give you another example. Um, healthcare, right? I remember when the healthcare bill was passed back in 2010 or whatever, I remember the moment I was talking to somebody in the UK like this, except for not on camera. It was just all audio. But I was interviewing a, a candidate for MP in the UK. I don't know why. It's It's been too long. I can't remember why I was talking to this guy, but I was. And I told him, I said, hey, you know, look, um, we just uh, passed the, you know, the health, the Obamacare or whatever. And I'm a little sad about it. And he goes, oh, yeah, I'm a conservative. But, uh, you know, we, we love all, we love a national health service here. And I'm like, well, good for you. I want you to uh, help me out with something. What if you woke up one morning and the National Health Service was run out of Brussels? How would you feel then? And he's like, oh, yeah, that might, yeah, I understand now. That makes makes a lot more sense. <laughs> and so that was the, you know, so, but that doesn't mean you get, okay. So the National Health Service sort of extends from the monarchy is what I'm saying. If you look at the, if you look at the, um, at the the single payer systems on the in, on the planet, all of them are monarchies, and they all have a national church. You know, basically, you got the UK, Canada, and Scandinavia. The least monarchical of those is obviously Canada, and Canada's role with the Queen has changed in the last few years. They're not as uh, they still are part of the Commonwealth, but they don't depend as much on the representation of of a. a What's the term they use for the representative of the queen in the UK? I can't remember. A governor, some sort of governor, right? Uh, he has a lot less power than you. He has a lot less role than he used to, right? So, but, but you know, the Netherlands, um, you know, uh, Sweden, uh, Finland. I mean, those guys are all still hereditary monarchies. And they all still have a national church. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah, Sweden, Finland, uh, Norway, and Spain, uh, right? Spain does have a. Oh, you mean it has a monarchy? Yes, they do have a monarchy. Okay. Um, and there's others, but I'm just saying that the National Health Service thing, like universal single payer health insurance, right? Government run single payer healthcare comes from monarchies because there's this understanding. That if someone is a subject they have of, of the crown, there's this patriarch or matriarchal sort of 
responsibility over their person that doesn't exist in a republic. It's yeah. different. Mm -hmm. And so uh, if I was in the UK, would I be a fan of the National Health Service? I don't know. I don't know. So I don't know how to answer that. But what I will, will say is that I'm not going to go to the Netherlands or the UK and say, hey, you know, you guys need to get rid of this monarchy. This monarchy thing is so outdated, outmoded. I mean, come on. It's the 90s. I'm just kidding. I used to say it's the 90s a lot, but it's the, <laughs> it's the 20s, right? It's the 20s. It's the 2020s, right? It's the 2020s. Why in God's green you still have a monarchy? You guys are so outdated. I wouldn't do that. They they work. Like those are, I mean, if you do the happiness studies in the in Scandinavia, they do very well. There's other differences, mind you, like lots of other differences that we have with them, but their monarchies actually work. Um, they have national churches. All of those countries have national churches. 5% of the population actually attends the churches, but details. And, you know, mm -hmm. how long is that going to last? Um, so I, I'm just, I, as a conservative, I would never, and not that you're taking the position that, that the UK should get rid of the monarchy. I don't think you're taking that position, but the question is how it affects us, like whether it's relevant to us. And I think that the United Kingdom as a country is relevant to us because it's where it's, it's sort of a heritage of our government, our, our constitution, our culture in a variety of ways. Um, and, and our language obviously, which is relevant. Um, and, and they, they still like the United Kingdom is still a country of influence. So I, I think it's important when that when that that symbol is um, is as effective as it has been, and most of the way in which Queen Elizabeth was effective was in the way that she kept her darn mouth shut. Like, do you know how many like press conferences the Queen of English like how many national or international public addresses? that like where she went on the air and said like gave a speech right i mean in the in the 70 70 years how many i don't know the number honestly but like it's something like five like it's some god awful small number i mean i mean princess die like covid she had a brilliant 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 speech and all of them last like four and a half minutes right not not like drawn out not a state of the union the queen doesn't do a state of the state of the commonwealth address every year right it's not that's not what she does um most of the monarch's job is to keep her mouth shut but the thing is, you said tradition symbol. Uh, what else did you say that you know we scoffed at? It was the uh, <laughs> uh, social cohesion. I mean, who does not want to be as well behaved and as well mannered as the Queen of Queen of England or the King of England? Like, like when we talk about being a gentleman or being a lady, what are we talking about? We're talking about someone who is well-spoken, who is well-mannered, who is, well who is um, direct and um, what's the term? Um, predictable, dependable, loyal, right? In other words, you, you know, you know what the, what the queen of England is going to say before she says, it. you know what her position on most things are going to be. You know what, what she stands for. There's a stability there. And even if you don't agree on one thing or another, there's, there is a, there is a, like, there's a character manners, politeness, like all those things come from the nobility of England. Like if, and when we talk about being a gentleman here in the United States, where do you think that comes from? Where do you think of being a gentleman comes from? It's the closest thing we have to knights in shining armor. What did that mean? Well, that comes from Roman legions, 
you know, legionnaires, uh, you know, several hundred years later. But as a as a as a man, as a like a gentleman, what I like to consider myself a gentleman, royalty and nobility and hierarchy and you know means something, right? If it doesn't, then why why act in a certain way? Why speak a certain way? What does it mean to speak properly? Etc. Those sorts of things come from a class system in the United Kingdom. That's where it comes from. Like it doesn't come from anywhere else. Where else? And that has a source too, like I said. But but you know what that means for a lady, I can't really say directly. You probably have other opinions, but I just don't. I just don't know where else we like the original source of what it means to be a well-spoken in English, well, well-dressed, well-kept, uh, well-mannered person. Where else does that come? If not the English court, I, I don't, I don't know where, what's, what, what is the source other than the pomp and circumstance of royalty dating mm -hmm. back several hundred years, where, where else is the source of, what it means to be a proper English speaking, well-mannered person. Right. Yeah. I mean, I think you make a good point. I don't see it from anywhere else. So what did at my, my position as a dude on that front is, is more civilizational. Like we need civilizing. Right. So what is it? What would it mean from, from a girl's standpoint, if you had to guess? Is it something you like? I never thought about it before. Like, not really. So, but what does it mean to be well mannered, polite, uh, well spoken, posture, like that, all that sort of stuff? Like, does, does does that does that connect with royalty to you to you at all? Well, I hadn't really thought about it. I think you know in those terms, but I think you definitely make a really good practical point there. Um, you know, I think. Right now, you know, we think about, I was trying to tell Whitman, my four-year-old, what, you know, what was polite and good manners. And, right. and um, he was like, I'm going to have really good manners tonight, mommy. And he's like, thank you for making this food. And I was like, you're welcome. And, and then he said, I love you so much and gave me a kiss. And I said, oh, I just love when you tell me how much you love me. And he's, and he said, is that good manners? <laughs> And I said, yeah, That's fantastic. The loving other people is very good manners. And yeah, so typically, yeah, I think, yeah. you know, your mother, a good character, which is rooted in, you know, faith and religion and law and the history of all that, having good character translates into really authentic good manners. But when we look at the simple refinements of life and, you know, things that are small, like, I mean, just the smallest things, like I still tell my kids, don't put your elbows on the table. Like you put your wrists on the table like this. There's reasons why those things exist and is civility, um, you know. Civility is another word. Yeah, that's a good one. It's very I was trying to find practical. other words. It's very practical. You know, it's really interesting. And he actually, you can just learn a lot from four-year-olds. He asked me in the car today, he said, are there bad people? Are there still bad guys in the world? And I said, oh, yes, son, there's lots of bad guys. And he said, why haven't the police come and gotten them all yet? Because <laughs> they have to break the law first, son. What's wrong with you? <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, I said, well, we're all, you know, bad to a certain extent. That's just human nature. And, and that's why, you know, we need God to speak into our lives. And I said, you know, God gave us the Ten Commandments to start that's off with. A Another conversation for another day. Yes. <laughs> we're all bad. Um, and we're I told all them bad. What the Ten Commandments were, you know, like with four-year-olds, you have to be very literal. I'm like, we don't kill other people. We don't steal from other people. We, we honor our parents with the things that we do and went through the list. And, you know, he listened and absorbed it how he could. But to me, that's really good character. But, but what you're talking about is more almost superficial forms of character that are important and they are important in day-to-day -day life. And, you know, um, there, I, I appreciate say, those things. I would say not superficial. I would say, um, cultural, 
don't know no uh um out they're relative they well but they're they're physical they're participant they're they're the they're material they're material, they're material right right they're material uh uh and they can well, be relative yeah. from culture to culture, as you've pointed out. That's true. That's you true. know, England has passed those values down to us. They haven't. I was in Mexico a few days ago. They haven't necessarily passed all of those down to the Mexican culture, which I had. You know, there were different experiences there. There well, were actually the Spanish that, were supposed to hand that down to the Mexican culture. When I was in Mexico, I, I literally said to Emma, I said, I don't know what it is but within this culture there's more of an acceptance of things being messy like you would just pass like a business that just had like a, a storefront window with a bunch of junk shoved in there and you know certain aesthetic things these are relative things so you know when i make you know judgments on other people or you know observations at the very least you know i try to i think we teach our kids we try to judge things immaterially but to the extent that we have these customs in our society that we value that are more material and refined and civil and really relative culturally, you know, we have a long-standing tradition of those. And yes, I think we get those from our, our motherland. And um, as far as, you know, I think we could stand to use those a little bit more. Um, Sure. Some women are very good at behaving themselves like perfect ladies. You know, there's the big meme that goes around on Facebook that said, well-behaved ladies rarely make history. I, I Queen don't Elizabeth is going to, and she was well-behaved. <laughs> yes, exactly. I mean, I, not I mean, all women that make history are not well-behaved. Have to overdose a, on drugs. I mean, that's a Marilyn this is Monroe a Venn diagram. This is a Venn diagram moment, right? Right. This is where right. we... Yes, uh, well behaved. Well behaved uh, women rarely make history. Okay, all right. Well, let's make a list and let's see. Well behaved women, women who make history, and let's see how many of them fall into you know the the uh, you know the the almond there. But you know we've I'm kind of sure. and you and I have touched on this before. Is that you know when we kind of went through like uh, the Cultural Revolution of the 1960s, for example. We sure. kind of flung off a lot of older values. And then I think we're kind of almost circling back a little bit. And one of the things you'll see, even all the way up to the 1950s, is that a woman doesn't like reveal her emotions in a situation. Like um, maybe somebody comes to you and say, you know, I'm, I've come under the information that your husband is having a solicitous affair with his secretary. You know, you would, you know, you would put down your martini glass and your red lipstick would still be in place and you would say, Thank you for letting me know. Thank you for letting me know. Such <laughs> bouquet of flowers. Go in front of other people. What? I'm, I'm a naturally very like emotive person, you know. So like sure. I would more yeah. like throw my martini glass up against the wall, and you know. Um, no, I think there's. So you would not. Let's just let's just put this on the record that Jessica would not make a good Queen of England. That's uh, <laughs> no, I would not. No, it wouldn't work. I've had to yet. come to terms with that. Um, I might be a good. I might be like a good actress to play the part of a queen. I don't know. I mean, oh yeah, I think you would be. I think you would be a great Prince Margaret, frankly. Uh, but, that's <laughs> Go ahead. but all of these things, like I mean, that would be dignity, right? Dignity, dignity is another great term, another word I think, for it. You yeah, know, dignity. something that's important here, Butch, is that some of these material manners that we talk uh -huh. about actually help to guard some of our inner immaterial characteristics and so these no, behaviors say it ain't so yes so these behaviors <laughs> can dictate what's going on on the inside right. so that's where these Absolutely. material things people can say oh well that's just who cares if you say swear words that's not it's not really a matter of your heart for example and it's not i mean I could fling an F-bomb and it's not, it's not coming from a place of like evil intention and my heart could just be for fun. But if I'm cavalier with my speech or if I don't dignify my speech or uphold it to a certain standard, that will sort of ricochet back. What were those things we threw when we were kids? Boomerangs. Boomerang right. back. It will tell you something about yourself. It might tell you something about yourself 
that's low value. And, and I think as a society, we have to be practical enough to understand that the way we carry ourselves mm -hmm. according to mannerisms and, and these, these things that have been passed down for generations, it doesn't just speak to other people. It speaks back to ourselves and informs who we are on that deep immaterial character basic basis and feeds it. There's almost like a, um, you know, like a, a feeding that goes on there too. And then perhaps, you know, as you see yourself in a certain way, then, then the way that you exude yourself in a material way begins to reflect that with more integrity. And, and those are important things. Yeah. I think, I think it's sort of, I mean, there's a connection obviously with, with how we, you know, worship in church, right? So, um, how we reflect our, how we, you know, uh, uh conduct ourselves, uh, from a, from a liturgical or a, uh, or, or a church standpoint, because, you know, a lot of it is very physical. We sing, we stand, we sit, we, you know, I mean, I'm a, ortho we do a lot more sitting, kneeling and standing in, you know, than, than your average Protestant. But, um, <laughs> but there is a participatory, like we do physical things. We pray, we bow our heads, we, you know, things that we do, to physically show our either reverence or worship or solemnity or whatever, uh, it, it does affect us spiritually as well. Um, so I, I think, I, I think, uh, you know, one thing to note is, is the, is the focus on the material. Another, and going back to, you know, keeping your mouth shut, I don't, I don't want anybody to misinterpret what that means. Um, I think all you have to do is do a quick read through the book of Proverbs in the Bible. And this is like the ancient wisdom of the world, at least a good deal of it. And it's basically all about the mouth, all about yeah. your words. And this is the one thing that I get convicted about the most because I'm a very verbal, expressive person. And so, you know, you have to be on your game when, when you, somebody who runs your mouth, like there's gonna be a lot of things coming out of it. And the Bible says that the tongue is like a double-edged sword, you know, that, that you, your words can speak life or death into the people around you. I mean, the things that we say are powerful and um, to be able to keep your mouth shut most of the time is a great idea. And I really yeah, value most, yeah, more times than not. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't it doesn't mean that you don't have opinions or you haven't thought about something or you're not you're not want, don't want to be of influence or don't want to support or progress or whatever. It just it just means that knowing when I'm like, you know, there's so few times where the, where the Queen of England spoke that when she did, they were extremely impactful, um, you know, uh, 9-11 her speech after 9-11 was and it was short it was like I said, it was just it wasn't flowery it was just direct and it was beautiful i've known so, people like this where they the hardly only, open up their mouth but when they do it's just yeah powerful. I, have, I have a couple of three friends that are like that they don't say much when they do you just pay attention right and i wish i could be like that you just take the percentage of your words that are important you know, the number of your words that are important and put it over your total number of words. I mean, let me tell you. We're both a little bit loquacious, but Ooh. yeah, there's the quote that yeah, says that. When, when you're talking, you're not learning anything. When you're quiet, you have the opportunity to continually right. learn, you know, and. Um, so I think we have a lot to learn from her from a from not only a decorum and, and tradition standpoint, which I think is extremely valuable. And I think King Charles, King Charles can keep that going. I think the monarchy in general is valuable there. And all it is, it's a spectrum, right? So the monarchy is what maintains it. The crown is what maintains it. And it's exaggerated and, and compounded when you have one person who is consistently that monarchy for a long period of time. And that is compounded even more when that person has the type of discipline that she had. So it's kind of a triple whammy. You get a very reserved person in a very powerful symbolic 
position over a long period of time, then the effectiveness of that of that discipline and that position and that um, and that person is just is is uh, is amplified. So I'm gonna. I, I guess we can kind of leave it there. Do you have any any other thoughts before um, before we close it? No, I'm going to have to watch The Crown. I've heard it's great. I've never seen it. I severely enjoyed the first two. I don't know how many seasons have there been. I think four. Um, I really, really enjoyed the first three seasons, and the fourth season made me so mad. I don't even know. I can't <laughs> even tell you. Whatever the last season was, I think it was the fourth season. But all the way up to the last season, it was a beautiful show. And it's still well done. It's just there were so many blatant they got to margaret thatcher and you know they they made they made margaret thatcher into something she wasn't but i'm not going to spend too much time on that after you watch the show we can talk about it i think you'll have i really think the show especially the first two seasons does a really good job of showing you sometimes explicitly what the relationship is between the crown and the government i think it's worth it just for that uh, okay. and now that the queen is gone, I think it'll be, I think you'll appreciate it. But um, on that note, ladies and gentlemen, uh, thank you for watching and listening. And for those who are doing such, uh, please go have a great conversation to play by the rules. <laughs>